Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everyone. We've done it. We are on the 10th book of 10 books that shaped America. This is the 10th show we featured with my old friend Peter Slen, certainly my old friend by now at C-SPAN, the executive producer. And we've gone all the way from Thomas Paine's Common Sense, where we began this series, where C-SPAN began their series, to the final book in the series of the 10 books that shaped America, The Words of Cesar Chavez. I have to admit, this is not the book I would have expected to have shown up. Although, what do I know? Uh, Peter, if your series is musical, if it's a symphony, how has this symphony ended on a high note, bombastically or quietly? How would you describe this book, uh, which closes your, ten, your series on the 10 books that shape America? The series, which over the course of 10 books has lo looked at different eras, viewpoints and topics, books that had an impact in their time and today on our society, this symphony ends impactfully is how it ends. And the influence, the outsized influence of Cesar Chavez cannot be understated. And what he accomplished in one area of labor relations and one area of the country with 5,000 members of the United Farm Workers cannot be denied. His legacy was impactful then, it's impactful now. Um, this is a man where there's a state holiday for him in California and Texas and Denver, and there's schools named after him. There was a postage stamp. He was awarded the Medal of Freedom. Uh, yeah, even uh, Stevie Wonder sang about him. Yeah, and so this is an impactful end to the series, and it fits. It fits into what we were trying to accomplish very well. Different eras, different viewpoints, different topics. Kicking off with Thomas Paine. The week prior, we did Milton Friedman and libertarian conservative economics. And here we are finishing up with the impact of Cesar Chavez. And part of that impact, Andrew, was not only his message, but it was the force of personality and the force of what he called si se puede, yes, we can, which of course was adopted by the Obama campaign, you know, 30 years later as their campaign slogan. And so that si se puede that Cesar Chavez brought to his cause with basically an eighth grade education shows the impact that the words of Cesar Chavez had. You mentioned, Peter, that the penultimate book in the series, which we covered last week, Free to Choose, a personal statement by Milton and Rose Friedman, 
uh, articulates another vision. Sh should these two books, the Friedman book or the Friedman's book and uh, the Chavez book, do they be? Do they need to be read in parallel? Do they offer alternative, contradictory views on America? Are a great way to see the span in two books of the policy debates that this country has had then, has today, and forevermore. Milton Friedman was not a fan of, Milton and Rose Friedman were not fans of the minimum wage, of labor unions. They saw those as inflationary. Cesar Chavez was fighting for what he thought were fair wages and fighting for, thank, thank you, Matthew, um, fighting for labor unions and the right to organize and safe working conditions. So yes, you could, you could read these two as diametrically opposed and get a really good sense of the policy debates. When was the book written? I know that the um, the Free to Choose book was was written in 1980. Uh, it's a collection of Chavez's speeches and ideas. When did it come out? Yeah, it came out in 2002, Andrew, and it has in it uh, the editors, and I will get those names before we're we're done with this, so I'm not ignoring them. But these speeches that are contained in these books in this book span 25 years and starts out with his early 60s speeches or writings and reprints from articles that he wrote in his labor newspaper el macriado and it goes through the 1990s and you see the ascendancy of his farm labor movement. You see the victories, you see some of the defeats, you see his retrospection toward the end. And you gotta remember this guy grew up on a farm in Yuma, Arizona and lost that farm for, you know, several reasons, taxes, bad crops, etc. And what he saw, the work that these laborers were doing, and not, in his view, getting a fair wage for. As he wrote in 1969, the height, the apex of his influence, God knows that we are not beasts of burden. We are not agricultural implements or rented slaves. We are men. And mark this well, we are men locked in a death struggle against man's inhumanity to man in the industry that you represent. And this struggle itself gives meaning to our life and ennobles our dying. One of the interesting aspects of Cesar Chavez was he was not necessarily fighting for what we think of as middle-class values. 
know, the three bedroom ranch house and the security. He was fighting for a change in how the economic system of our country was structured. So really interesting guy. And his, like I mentioned last week with the Freedmen's program, his writing is very accessible. He writes succinctly, clearly, and you can get his message. You see his message. You see his his uh, determination throughout this book. We know the Freedmen's politics, and they were manifested through and by Ronald Reagan, this cult of the free market. What about Chavez's politics? You noted um, his embrace of labor. Um, Wikipedia suggests that uh, his movement, Chavez's movement at least, uh, promoted a, a Christian radical philosophy. Is there a, a, di a deep religiosity in, in, in this book? Absolutely. He was a very faithful Catholic. Um, most of the people that he was fighting for had a Catholic background. And I think there was a strong, this was a time when the concept of liberation theology was quite active and ascendant. And so that definitely plays a role in his philosophy, yes. Do you think that the freedmen's, or the, at least the, the free market freedmen camp, would they read the words of Cesar Chavez and, and suggest that he was a socialist? The way you phrase that question, I think I can comfortably say yes. In what way? Uh, you said, do I think that if the freedmen's read Cesar Chavez or listened to his speeches, would they see him as a socialist? Yes, I do. But why? Uh, it there was less there was more government involvement in the economic system that Cesar Chavez was pushing for more regulation and that right there would be anathema to what the freedmen's were preaching we are speaking with Peter Sloan, executive producer of C-SPAN, uh, and particularly of a wonderful new series, 10 Books That Shaped America. And we're talking about the final book, The Words of Cesar Chavez, uh, which came out in 2002. Um, Peter, this, the series has focused less on race than perhaps other series, but of course, the fourth book in the series was the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. And a couple of issues ago, we also talked about Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, a, a novel by an African-American. Uh, Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn was part of this series. Right. Uh, Chavez is the first Hispanic writer um we've had uh, in the series is there a strong element there you noted that he was born in in uh, the southern part of uh, southwestern part of america uh 
could one describe this in, in this book in cultural terms, or is it more political, more with its focus on labor and the rights of, uh, of the working man? You can certainly describe this in cultural terms in that sense of, of dark-skinned brown people and their fight against the system. Um, the National Labor Relations Act, when it was passed, did not include farm workers in the protections. And this was in 1935. It allowed trade unions to be formed. Collective bargaining was allowed. Strikes were allowed. But farm workers were not included. And I think you can safely draw the conclusion that one of the reasons was because the farm workers were itinerant. They often came across the border during the season and did this manual labor and then went home. So I think I think you're you're not including them side would say, well, they're not really American citizens and they're not here full time. So they should not be included. It's not fair. The other side is saying, look, this is pretty obviously an oversight that we're not including these migrant workers. And the other group that was not included, of course, were domestic workers. Draw your own conclusions. Immigration, of course, Peter, today is an enormously powerful and controversial issue. D does this book address that, that the rights of the immigrant or of the migrant worker, does he distinguish between the two? Yeah, uh, Cesar Chavez was not, uh, and, and this was not something we spent a lot of time on because we wanted to get to the labor and, and, and the effectiveness of his words, etc. But he was not a fan of illegal immigration. He think it he thinks it hurt his cause. The cause, I should say. Um, one of the hidden aspects of this, two two things I want to bring up here. When he started his movement, which morphed into the United Farm Workers, there was a fear among the workers of Mr. Chavez and his goals because they were fearful that they were going to lose their jobs, that they were not going to get paid, that they were not going to be able to find employment. So the support for him was not universal among the workers that he was trying to organize. The second part of this is we often speak of the Latino factor in this discussion but the Filipino migrant workers had a large role to play. And they were very active in creating and promoting Cesar Chavez's cause with strikes and sit downs and work stoppages, et cetera, et cetera. So this was really a grassroots seat of the pants movement that was effective and often grassroots seat of the pants movements fail you know they they might start off with a bang but you've got to have an organization around it 
and Cesar Chavez, along with Dolores Huerta, who is still alive today, who was a fanatic. And she was a major force in creating the United Farm Workers and the movement that was created by Cesar Chavez. You mentioned uh, earlier Peter Chavez as a, a Hispanic American writing very much in, 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 in the context of that pride in his ethnicity and in his historical background. Um, is there a sense in the book of a united front with African Americans? Some of uh, his writing and his thoughts, of course, occurred during the civil rights struggle and then post-civil rights struggle. D does he see his work and the work of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and many other African-Americans, uh, Rosa Parks, in their struggle for freedom, were they similar? You know, we did discuss the fact that this movement was happening at the same time as a lot of national discussion about civil rights and there were assassinations during this, you know, high profile assassinations happening and all sorts of movements were happening at the same time. So yeah, it was in that context. In fact, in the words of Cesar Chavez, one of the, one of the chapters are, are, is letter from Sacramento, which certainly mm. has the overtones of letters from letter from a Birmingham jail. And so he was influenced certainly by MLK and his nonviolent and unorthodox ways of bringing attention to his positions and his movement. And Bobby Kennedy was, I, I don't want to use the word close, but Bobby Kennedy was a factor and an ally of Cesar Chavez. Of course, he was running for, for president in the uh, 1968 presidential primary was happening in California. So Bobby Kennedy was present for that. Um, Walter Ruther, do you know who that is, Andrew? Yeah, la labor union, a labor organizer. United Auto Workers president for a long time and a very, very, very powerful man was out in California and had been in contact with Cesar Chavez and came down and toured with him. So there was some support from the UAW, a very powerful union in the 1960s and early 70s. And so that added a lot of star quality. On top of that, Cesar Chavez added his own star quality. Let's not give credit to other people here. This man persisted and was charismatic and could, could speechify but he had meaning behind his words, so. We are speaking with Peter Slen of C-SPAN, executive producer of uh, the 10 books that shaped America. I wanna thank the sponsor of our show, um, Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics, excellent publication. 
to be read alongside uh, C-SPAN's new series on books. I think they would be wonderful companion pieces. Going to run a short piece about liberties, and then we'll be back with Peter Slen to end our series. We're going to conclude with some remarks about uh, the legacy of Cesar Chavez, both as a political figure and in terms of this book. So don't go away, anyone. We'll be back in a couple of seconds. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. A wise thing to do, just as it's wise to watch C-SPAN's wonderful series on 10 books that shaped America. We're in our 10th episode dealing with the work of Cesar Chavez, uh, the words of Cesar Chavez with Peter Slen. Uh, Peter, before the break, you talked about Bobby Kennedy and his relationship with uh, Chavez. Uh, last month, we talked to the New York Times uh, economics writer, David Leonhardt. He has a new book out. Ours was The Shining Future, uh, a book about the death of the American dream or the decline of the American dream. And Leonhardt argues in the book that the crisis of the American dream is, is twofold. Firstly, the Democratic Party has lost stars like Bobby Kennedy. Um, from Bobby Kennedy, we've got to, at least I think in his mind, non-entities like Joe Biden. And the other problem with America in terms of the death of the American dream is the decline of organized labor. I, I, do you think that the reading of this book brings similar conclusions uh, to, as, as, as David Leonhardt argues in his book? Is there a sense of decline when we read this in 2023? Uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by your question, but what I'm going to say is that during the height of the Cesar Chavez United Farm Workers movement, th there was ascendancy and there was a sense of, of hope and progress. And there were major victories by the Chavez movement. I, 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 I apologize. I don't know enough about Leonhardt's book. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, and, and there's no reason why yeah. you should, uh, but I think it's an it would be an interesting companion to some of these yeah, themes. And he I, really focuses on the decline of labor which what would be in his view has compounded inequality, not just agricultural labor, but industrial labor too. Well, it, what would be interesting is to have a Cesar Chavez and a Milton Friedman for dinner and talk about the topic of the American dream, not, not their specific viewpoints on their specific issues, but the American dream. Wouldn't that be a great conversation? Um, you talked about labor unions, and we know that President Biden has been a big proponent of labor unions, et cetera, appearing, appearing uh, on the strike line up in Detroit during the United Auto Workers strike, and has 
you know, championed labor unions. Did you know that Cesar Chavez's granddaughter, Julie Chavez Rodriguez, is Joe Biden's campaign manager for 2024? So yeah, there might be, that. that's very interesting. Yeah, there's some influence there as well, maybe something uh, to look at. Um, I, I, what, 15% or so of labor is organized, something like that, and most of it within the government. Um, it has changed since the days of the 50s and 60s. And for good or bad or for nothing, um, the labor union infrastructure has shrunk. And so would this be a death of the American dream? I'm not sure Cesar Chavez and you and I have the same American dream. So that would be a great discussion. Uh, what about politics? Um, you, you, in in the Friedman book, you noted when we talked last week that it was um, published in 1980 and it was read avidly by Ronald Reagan, who implemented a lot of his ideas. You noted that Chavez was close to uh, Bobby Kennedy, who, of course, was assassinated. Um, does Chavez in his in in his work, in the words of Cesar Chavez, does he see politics as being essential? And does he look in politics for a, a charismatic leader, someone perhaps like himself? You know, uh, you noted earlier before the break that his later taken up by Barack Obama, another very charismatic political leader. I, I apologize, Andrew, you went out there for a minute. What'd you say? Uh, that uh, his words were also taken up by Barack Obama. Uh, politics and charisma and leadership, whether it was Bobby Kennedy or Barack Obama, is there a, a political element to his work alongside his support for uh, the, the working migrant? Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, Cesar Chavez recognized the power of politics and the power of mobilizing political figures. Um, you know, having Bobby Kennedy visit him during a fast, getting Walter Ruther's support, two easy aspects. I mean, he died in 1993. He was awarded posthumously the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Clinton in 1994, accepted by his wife, Helen. He in, when he testified in front of Congress, the Labor Committee, here's a little bit of what he had to say and what his goals were. We want to be recognized, but not with a glowing epitaph on our tombstone. Union recognition is of value only in terms of what it leads on to. At the end of the trail, we seek not recognition, but signed contracts. Not recognition, but good wages. Not recognition, but a strong union. So his goals for the unions were strong and clear. 
his path in his view was dis was defined it did go through politics it went through strikes it went through fast it went through boycotts he knew how to mobilize the political system to achieve his ends Peter, final question. The, the, the series has been a wonderful one. You, we've gone from uh, Thomas Paine and the Federalist Papers right up to Milton and Rose Friedman and then Cesar Chavez. Are these? Last week we talked about Free to Choose, a personal statement by Milton and Rose Friedman. Today we're talking uh, about uh, Cesar Chavez and his book, The Words of Cesar Chavez, an anthology of his ideas and writings and speeches. Do these two books offer an alternative to America in 2023, two different paths, the Milton and Friedman free to choose path versus the path offered by Cesar Chavez. Are they well, books that young Americans might read, for example, at school uh, and, and, and imagine the kind of country they want to live in? Throughout this series, we have visited with teachers who teach the different 10 books that we featured in the series. And both of these books are still taught, The Free to Choose and The Words of Cesar Chavez. And yes, as we've discussed throughout, and you've brought this up again and again, Andrew, throughout, the, throughout our conversations, what does this mean today? Why should we care? And every one of the books that we've talked about in the 10, 10 weeks, has had an impact on today and has a meaningful policy discussion about today. If I were teaching, I would, I would uh, assign the Freedmans and Chavez. Read, what'd you get out of this? It, God, I apologize for this. Compare and contrast. Um, what do they mean? What are some of the policy discussions that we're having today around these ideas? And is it a binary choice? Are these the only two choices? Are these two very impactful choices? All sorts of things can come out of that. So yes, both of these books represent America, Today, tomorrow, yesterday, and in the future, all of the policy discussions that we have on a day-to-day -day basis. I can't resist, Peter, asking this final question in the series. We've been together for, for 10 episodes, a wonderful series of conversations, essential, really, I think, to understand American history and American present and the future. 10 books that shaped America. But I have to ask you, Peter, I know it's a rather cheesy question, if we had to reduce this book of this, this list of 10 books to one, one book that shaped America, what would that book be? I know it's an unfair question, but as you know, as the interviewer, interviewers can ask unfair questions. Yeah, they can, can't they? <laughs> what, which one would you pick, Andrew, while I search i would uh, i would pick the federalist because i think it lays out the nature of american politics i agree with you i agree with you it it is the 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 first layer 
of everything else. So, yeah, I agree with you.